0: Great to see everyone today. I would say if I could see you, but sadly I can't. Uh, So instead I'll just say it's great to have fellowship with you in the Spirit. And uh, thank you for joining us this morning and listening to my message. Uh, If you would, just uh, wherever you're at, whatever time it is right now, uh, take a moment uh, to pray. Uh, Pray for your heart. Pray for the the message this morning. Uh, Father, I just thank you. Uh, for this opportunity uh, to speak your word. And uh, God, I just ask that uh, you be with, with me and God, just use your spirit uh, to speak through me, to speak through uh, your word this morning. God, uh, please can, convict uh, our hearts, uh, God, of the things in our lives that we need to, to change, to grow closer to you. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. This morning, uh, I'd like to start by reading what some might call the more depressing or most depressing scripture in the Bible, and that's Ecclesiastes 1, uh, 1 through 3. It reads this, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? See, the writer of Ecclesiastes is presenting a problem to us, a problem that he's found in his own life. He says that there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, And throughout Ecclesiastes, he looks for meaning in different areas, in pleasure, in work, in wisdom, Uh, but in all of these different areas, he keeps coming short keeps realizing that there's no meaning in it and I think that if you're like me and most people there have been points in your life where things have felt rather meaningless where it feels like you're just going through the motions Uh, there's no real point to anything and this morning I want to answer this question of What truly brings meaning and significance to our lives. The greatest philosopher and theologian the world has ever seen was posed a similar question to this. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest law or rule by which man can live? Many of you probably know this great philosopher, and you've probably heard his response. Uh, We read it in Matthew um, chapter 22, uh, in verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, Jesus tells us quite clear here what the greatest command, the greatest thing for our lives is what will give our lives the most meaning and significance, and that is to love the Lord your God. Sounds simple enough, right? But what is love? (laughs) Love is a very confusing word, especially in the world we live in today, because the, the media and society tells us that love is this emotional thing. Uh, when we look at the, the dictionary definition of love, it's this long, and there are so many different things, but almost all of them have to do with emotions, other than maybe a score in tennis. Uh, but w- we think of love as this emotional thing because that's what the world says it is. We say we fall in love. Well, falling is not something you do on purpose. At least most of us don't do it on purpose, so does that mean that love is only something that we do on accident? Does it mean God mean when when we're supposed to love Him uh, that it's just something that you know happens? You know we don't really have any say over it. I don't think it would be a command for our lives if it was something that was simply an emotion that we didn't get to choose. In Jesus' time, uh, love was a little more defined than it is now. Believe it or not. Uh, There were four different words for love uh, in the Bible. And the love that we're supposed to have for God was called agape love. It was a sacrificial and incredible love. And the amazing thing is that the Bible has over 800 passages that talk about love, that have love in them because love is so important for our lives. You see, when God created us, he created you and me for a reason. And often we forget, because of going through the motions, simply living in our lives, what that reason was. See, God created us not because he needs us, but because he desired someone to love and someone to love him, because God, in his very nature, is love, all right? So if we look at the Bible to find our definition of love, we can actually find a whole chapter on love that I'm sure many of you have, have heard before, probably at a wedding, and that is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. So if you would, please turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It reads this, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. And if you'll jump with me down to verse 13, it says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Wow, what an incredible chapter. We read here, that you can have faith that moves mountains, but be nothing without love. Isn't that incredible? Jesus once said that the faith of a mustard seed could move mountains. And love is greater than faith. Something that we desperately need in our lives. We see throughout the Bible that love is more than emotion. Love is an action. And when we we can see this point in a story uh, that I'd like to share with you this morning. Uh, There was once a wife who had fallen into love with her husband and then she fell back out of love with her husband. Uh, She found so many things he did extremely irritating. Uh, The way he always uh, dirtied up the bathroom, uh, his beard hair in the sink, his socks left everywhere, uh, never doing his dishes, uh, dishes just everywhere on the floor. She got so angry with him that in fact she began to hate him. And so one day she went to a lawyer and she said, I hate my husband. She's like, I want to ruin him. I want to devastate him. Uh, I, I don't want to just simply divorce him. And so a lawyer, being pretty clever, had this great idea and said to her, all right, here's what I want you to do. As I prepare the paperwork, uh, for this divorce I want you to go back and I want you to act like you love your husband I want you to always tell him that you love him I want you to to clean it up after him do all of the dishes do all the things that a good wife would do and then when all the paperwork's finished I'll call you and uh, you can drop the bomb on him and it'll take him by complete surprise She's like all right I like that plan That sounds pretty good And so she did exactly as the lawyer said. And by the time the lawyer got everything finished, ready to go, he called her up and was like, All right, I got everything ready. Are you ready to divorce your husband? To which she replied, No, I really love my husband. You see, by doing all these actions, the actions that convey love, she was showing to her husband that she really loved him and it developed that feeling that she'd once had again. Because love is not just an emotion. Those emotions come from somewhere and they come from our actions. So we could say that love is action, uh, but I don't think that that would really fully en- encapsulate what love is. You see, I have another story um, that I would like to share with you. Uh, there was once a preacher who had two children he had an 11-year-old daughter, Helen, and a 5-year-old son, Braden. And uh, he went to this, the, the mall one day and saw that there was a petting zoo there, and so he, uh, he saw that it was 50 cents for uh, the kids to go in, and so he pulled 50 cents out of his pocket, and he gave each kid a quarter and sent them on their way, and then he went shopping. And as he was in the, the power tools section, uh, he felt this tug on his side, and he looked, and there was his daughter Helen, and he's like, "What? What are you doing?" And, and she said, "Well, it, it cost uh, fifty cents each," and he immediately realized the mistake that he had made, and uh, and he so he said, "Well, why did you uh, you and Braden not come back?" And she said, "Because you say that love is action," and so I I gave my uh, brother, I gave Braden my quarter because I love him. And it melted his heart. And the preacher writes that he had 50 more cents burning a hole in his pocket, but he didn't give it to his daughter. Instead, he continued shopping, and then they went back, and they watched as uh, as Braden happily went along petting the animals and the, the joy that he had. And the reason that he writes that he did not give her the 50 cents that he had was because him and his wife always say one extra part to that statement. They say, love is sacrificial action. You see, love has to cost us something. And <laughs> We see this in Jesus Christ. In 1 John 3.16, John writes this, This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? We could stop and we could say that love is sacrificial action. uh, That the definition of love is Is to sacrifice ourselves for other people because that that's what Jesus did for us and dying on the cross the ultimate form of love he sacrificed himself we go to first Corinthians 13 3 says if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love I gain nothing you see we can give everything that we have we can give our lives but not do it out of love. And the question is, how, how can that be? If, if love is action and sacrifice, uh, how can we give everything away? Because that's an ultimate sacrifice and it's an action. Uh, but love is more than just an action and sacrifice. There is an emotional, intentional component to love. You see, uh, when we love, we have to be intentional with saying, I'm doing this because I love this person. We have to mean it in our hearts. In my life, uh, there are so many times that my life was robbed with significance because I was never thinking about my love for God or other people. I went on so many mission trips growing up and uh, sacrificed my time and money, but I enjoyed it. I loved what I was doing. I took pride in it, being able to tell people that I'd gone on these mission trips, and in so doing I robbed these mission trips of significance. And uh, one question I always had growing up is, so many other kids that went on the same trips and things completely fell away from God, and they were sacrificing too, but without love, those actions don't have meaning. So love is intentional, sacrificial action for the benefit of other people. And if we don't have love in our lives, then our relationship with God cannot exist. We cannot really call ourselves Christians. And we see this in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. reads this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, And he will separate the people one from another, as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. When the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous eternal life. You see, the meaning of life is to love. And the reason that Jesus said that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God. And then he said the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself, is that we can love God by loving others, by loving the least of these. When we are intentional about it, when we say, I'm giving this because I love you, and then we say to God, God, I'm giving this to them, I'm doing this for them because I love you. In so many aspects of our life, we can add love to them. In my own life, I was convicted with this this question uh, one day of uh, when have I ever said to God, God, I love you in my prayer life. And I'm ashamed to admit that for most of my life, I never thought to God, God, I love you. Never when I was doing things for other people was I thinking, God, I'm doing this for them because I love you. But in doing that, I've added significance and meaning to my life. I've grown my relationship with God. And the same thing when it comes to worship. Uh, For so long, I didn't think about the words that I was singing. I wasn't intentional about the meaning of the words. Never in my worship did I think, God, I'm worshiping because I love you. But that's what worship is supposed to be. We're supposed to be saying, God, I love you through our words. And as we read God's Word. Never have I thought, God, I'm reading this because I love you. But when I, when I think that, when I say, God, I'm going to do this because I love you, I grow my relationship with God, and I fulfill this commandment that adds meaning and significance to my life. If we jump back to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, Verse 13, we can read what the writer of Ecclesiastes found that adds meaning to life. He said this, Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of God. Fear God and keep his commandments. And what was God's greatest command? To love the Lord your God. So wherever you're at, whatever you're going through in your life, whether you're going through the motions or maybe life is really good, I I just challenge you, ask yourself this question. I can love God by doing what? What can I be doing to love God? This week, uh, this month, this year, the rest of, of my life, what have I not been doing to love God? And then I challenge you to take it a step further, because loving God, we can love God by loving the least of these. So I challenge yourself to ask this question. I can have intentional, sacrificial love this week by doing blank for blank. So what can you do and who can you be doing it for? And I just I challenge you to, to add meaning and significance for your life by saying these simple words behind every sacrificial action. I'm doing this because I love you. If you'll bow with me, I'd like to close us in prayer this morning. Uh, Father, I just thank you for loving us, God. Uh, You loved us so much that you created us because you are love. And God, uh, it blows my mind to think that you loved us so much, not only did you give us everything that we have, everything we enjoy in this world, uh, but you sent your Son to die for us. And so doing, you gave us everything again, God. We owe you twice over. And I just, I thank you for that. And God, I love you. And I ask that you help me and all, all of us this, this day to to love you, and God, just open our eyes to the people in our love, lives who need your love, who need our love, God, and help us to see ways that we can give it to them. It's in your Son's name. that I pray. Amen.